14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all of Scripture as we've read many portions this evening that point us to the great work that you would do in Christ. The great rescue that you would come for us, that light would overcome the darkness. We pray now as we hear briefly from your word as we come before your table, that you would meet us here in this place, that our hearts would be full as we see more clearly the wonder and the mystery and the beauty of the baby in the manger come for us. May it be so this evening we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to be with everyone this evening. Um, light and darkness. We, we have a, a, a love-hate uh, relationship with uh, darkness. Um, we, uh, we hate the dark because we're kids. We're scared of the dark, or at least I was scared of the dark. I'm still a little bit scared of the dark. I wouldn't want to be in this building by myself at night, it being dark. Um, remember as a kid running down the hallway quickly because it was dark and the light switch was on the other end. Um, Darkness is, is scary. We look for comfort with light. We have uh, night lights and we have street lights uh, in our neighborhoods or in our parking lots. We want light to provide safety, uh, to provide comfort. Light also makes us happy as well. We put Christmas lights on our house to be festive and colorful. I have a good friend, some of you know him here, lives here in Midtown, and he is a uh, He's like the Clark Griswold kind of guy. His house, you can see from outer space, it is illuminated uh, with light. Something about that makes us smile and delight. Uh, my kids were watching, I don't know, last week, um, I think it's called The Great Christmas Light Fight. Have you seen this show on, on TV? I don't know, Netflix somewhere. And um, it, it basically, families throughout the country competed to see who had the best decorations in their house. And this is like a, a year full year production of music coordination uh, one guy had half a million lights uh, on his house with you know the, the manger scene traditional then the frosty and then you know Santa I mean they had the whole thing covered uh, but lights flashing blinking some of you do this any of you do this uh, it brings a sense of joy it brings a sense of delight it brings a sense of of goodness and the guy that won this competition uh, you know, you, you can question his motives, but he says, I do this because it brightens the world. Lights brighten the world. We love lights, uh, we need lights, but we're also drawn to the darkness. Um, think about the TV shows we watch. We watch shows about murder mysteries. We watch uh, shows about zombies. We watch Criminal Minds, and we want to know the dark side of life. Um, Halloween, we go out in the dark. 
uh, knocking with dark outfits and costumes, asking for candy. The fact that we have a whole genre of film called horror films speaks something of the human nature's fear, but also fascination with the darkness. Light and darkness uh, were meant to be complementary, but they have become in competition. They are opposites. They are antagonists. Darkness has become a barrier to life, and in the absence of light, um, life cannot exist. Uh, I think it was 2010. Some of you may remember this. It was in Chile. Um, There were some 33 miners. Do you remember this? They were trapped below the surface. They were 2,300 feet below the surface, and some massive granite rock about half the size of this room collapsed and blocked uh, their exit out of their seven and a half football fields below the surface trapped. And I remember watching a video, and the rescue coordinator, you know, they rushed in. Uh, they were there for 69 days in that place. And the rescue coordinator said, yeah, yeah we're, we're worried about food. Uh, we're worried about water. Uh, we're certainly worried about oxygen. Uh, but we're really concerned about them living in permanent darkness that, that our bodies our skin needs light but psychologically mentally if we don't have light we don't have hope our souls our life shrivels as we are within darkness darkness can prevail darkness can overcome It was nearly 400 years from the end of the Old Testament. We have Malachi, uh, the book of Joel is in that time frame. Um, 400 years till we get um, the voice crying in the wilderness, John the Baptist and Jesus. 400 years for Israel of darkness. Asking the question, would darkness prevail? Would the darkness overcome the light? Israel had been captive, as you may know, had been captive to Babylon and then to Persia and that 400 years to the Greeks of Alexander. The Greeks desecrated the temple. They came in the holy place of God, the, the inner place, and they sacrificed pigs, unclean animal, to, to decry the holy place of the Jewish people. It was darkness. And now the Romans, right, the great Roman Empire, oversaw this land. The Jews tried to revolt. Uh, we had the Maccabees. They, they rose up for a short time, and then they were crushed. And the Jews longed, would there be one to come? Could someone come to overcome the darkness, the dominion, the oppression that we have lived in? The question looming and longing in the hearts of the people of God seemed darkness would prevail. But then Paul says in Galatians, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. Light had come to the dark world. In a surprising way, right? It was a teenage scandalous pregnancy, (laughs) peasant girl, Joseph's thinking about, should we divorce? Uh, I'm not sure I want to be caught up in all of this. 
from an, in a nowhere town of Bethlehem in the most humble of circumstances, in a manger with animals um, in darkness, light, Jesus came to Bethlehem. And he came like, um, like our miners in Chile. They were uh, 2,300 feet below the surface, had no hope, had no plan, they had no strategy to exit the darkness of the world they were in. The rescue mission would have to come from above. They would have to figure out a way to bore through the granite and the rock mile upon mile to try to rescue, to enter in, to bring light and hope to these 33 men trapped below the surface. So Jesus has done for us. It's the rescue mission from heaven. God would enter. He would come through hell. He would come. Uh, he, he would come through. Think about this. The birth canal and the trauma of birth. Don't think about that image too much, do we? We like the pretty manger scene. The trauma, the sights and sounds and cries of birth to be humble to be among us, to bring light to the world, to rescue. So Jesus would come to us to bring light, but, but how would he avoid being compromised? How would he avoid being overtaken by darkness? I mean, that's what's happened to all of us, Right? Um, the rest of us entered in the world skewed and selfish, twisted life, focused from the earliest ages about us, bent towards self. Darkness would overcome and would gain more and more ground in our own hearts. How would Jesus be different? How would the rescuer not need to be rescued? Verse 5 says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The verse implies there is a battle, there is a war. That from the moment of Jesus' birth, his humble, humiliating birth, darkness was out to snuff him out, was out to close in upon him. Herod tries to kill him, so he flees to Egypt, right? He flees to get away. His own people, the Jews, they would mock him. They would persecute him. The Gentiles would laugh at him, would mock him. He would be beaten. He would be betrayed. He would be scarred. Those sitting at a table with him, celebrating that great Passover meal, one of them would betray him with a kiss. One of his best friends, his closest three, Peter, would deny him three times. Darkness was after him. Ultimately, the light would be subjected to the greatest weapon of darkness, that is death and the grave. And by the cross, the instrument of torture and humiliation and dehumanization and denigration, he would be stripped and beaten and bore, and darkness would throw everything possible to distinguish 
the light of the world. The light shines in the darkness, John writes, and the darkness has not overcome it. Uh, That's written chronologically prior to the cross, and yet we know it holds true as Jesus would be resurrected in glorious light. So how is it possible? How could Jesus overcome the darkness? Um, we're, We're overcome by darkness so easily, aren't we? I mean, one insult to me, and my feelings are hurt, and I kind of sulk for a bit, I crumble. <laughs> one turn in the market, and all of our wealth and money, uh, one big expense on the budget, and we go to anxiety and worry and fear. One diagnosis of illness, and our world crumbles, and we see the fragility of our life. Uh, one troubling text, uh, one disappointing word about our kids and fear of their future, uh, one word of mom and dad who are sick or aging, and we, we get afraid, and we're so frail. Darkness presses in, and we just bend and we buckle. One moment alone by ourselves, and we, darkness has its way in our own heart. Thoughts of malice, of envy, of lust, of jealousy. With other people, we begin to slander, we gossip, we one-up. Darkness works its way from the inside out. Yet not Jesus. How, how would he not be compromised? How would he not be extinguished? I love these words from Psalm 139. These are from David. David is overwhelmed by darkness. Psalm 139, 11 and 12 says this. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. In other words, I'm overwhelmed with darkness. I see it everywhere. I'm hopeless. Darkness is is, is overwhelming and is prevailing. And then verse 12. But even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Do you hear that? Even darkness is as light to you. It's not as if Jesus is unaffected by darkness. I mean, it would be darkness under, under God's plan. Darkness would crucify Jesus. Evil would have its way. It's at the baby, and this is Christmas. It's at the baby in the manger. He's not like us. He's like us and not like us. But he is so glorious and so good and so holy and so pure and so righteous, and so kind, and so gentle. He illuminates the world, that even darkness in his presence has to flee. It has to bow down and worship him. You know, if you go to a funeral, uh, particularly if it's a young person, fortunately had the opportunity to do some funerals, we say things like, she had so much light. When she came in, she just brightened up the room. Her smile 
His smile brightened up the world. We say that about us because there's a light to us, because we were made in His image, and yet we know because of the fall, because of the wreck, because of the darkness, we've been compromised. We're, we're dim, you know, we're like that cheap flashlight, and, the, and then the battery's starting to go out, and we got to kind of bang it, and we get a little bit of light out of it. But even us, in the presence of one another, redeemed in Christ, we bring life to one another, right? We bring light, we bring smiles to one another. How much more the glorious one, how much more the one who was in the beginning, the one who is God, the one who it says in verse things, all things were created by him. There was nothing made that's not made by him. That light and darkness are his idea. He came up with it. He holds it. He is the author of life. They belong to Him. And though He allows darkness to kill Him, the glory and the beauty of who He is is not compromised. His holiness, His righteousness is unchanged. John says in verse 14, and this is what I want us to get at Christmas. John says, We have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father. You know how the story of the Bible ends? You know the end of Revelation? Chapter 22 says this. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and the servants will worship Him. Talking about the Lord. They will see His face, and His name shall be on their forehead. And listen to this. And, diet, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. Do you know there will be no sun? Do you know lights? For the Lord God will be their light. And they, will, and they will reign with him forever and ever. You see, the, the, the beauty of Christmas is that we get the beginning of a taste, and we've been compromised by sin, and we live in a broken world, and hope is distinguished, and so we, we try to hold on to a little bit of light. But we can't compromise. We, we can't imagine. We can't capture with our imagination what it would be like to be in the presence of one so glorious and so good that in his presence, as Moses saw the back of him, it would radiate the whole world. But that's what Advent is. That's what Christmas is. is we get the beginning of the world seeing God himself in the flesh. And he came, why? He came to rescue us. Christmas is not about forgetting our problems, our frailness. It's not about just minimizing our insecurities or our anxieties or our fears. It's about taking a moment to pause and to remember and to think upon the glorious one. And to think long enough till our hearts are filled with the light that he gives us. He is the light of men. Our light comes from his light in Christ. And so we radiate because 
His glory impacts us. And then we begin to illumine the world. And then we become like the, uh, those, you know those trick candles? The birthday is the one that you blow out and it comes back and you blow out and it comes back, you know. Finally, you've got to like soak it in water, do something. It keeps coming back. That's what the church is. We have the light of Christ, the glory of who he is. And for Christmas, our job, uh, there's not seven steps or eight things to do. It's to ponder the glory and the mystery and the beauty and the wonder of who he is. To be in the presence of someone so glorious that his glory overwhelms us. And then we individually and we as a church reflect that light to the world. That is our hope. The light of the world has come. He's come to rescue us. Let's pray.